We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey guys, before we get started, just wanted to let you know we recorded the show earlier in the day on Sunday, so it was before... The Sunday night game happened. Obviously, we saw what happened. The Yankees took care of business, thankfully, and swept the lowly Orioles. Finally took care of business against this pathetic team that has been taking us to school and beating us with uh, with, with a, a, just a terrible team. So finally, the Yankees do what they need to do. Severino wasn't very... Wasn't great. He wasn't. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. Uh, he went out there, uh, got into the sixth inning, two runs. You know, we saw some glimpses again. Still flashes of of, of what Severino has been, but still hasn't, to me, put a, put together a, a full start of the old Severino. When I say old Severino, I'm talking about the first half of the season, Severino. But what happened again? Miguel Andujar again, just tearing the cover off the ball. Three hits. Luke Voigt taking jobs, three hits, Yankees win the game. Beautiful. Let's get to the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Hey 
What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Scott, I feel like I've seen the boogeyman. The Yankees have swept a doubleheader. I didn't think it was possible. Not only that, not only that, but Sonny Gray is the guy who finished it off. Sonny Gray is the guy. Sonny Gray not only pitched right before our podcast, which is at this point just a, a routine of ours, I think, but he pitched well and he, he did it in a spot where they actually had something to play for. Kind of like sweeping a doubleheader. Not that they, I don't even know if they care about it. We probably care about it more than they do, but that's kind of a big deal. I think that's a good, that's a nice little day. Well, I think it's, um, you're starting to see maybe some things falling in place. The Yankees are starting to play a little bit better. The Red Sox are maybe hitting a speed bump like we talked about last time. I'm not even saying that they have something to play for as far as like, oh, we are back in this division, but it's probably on their mind. But just like you said, for uh, their own edification, their own satisfaction of we have not played well in doubleheaders and we're facing the worst team in baseball, a team that's going to lose 110 plus games. Yeah, we should beat them. Historically bad team. Like that's, right. that's what they're lining up to be. And when you see how they play in the field, like this team is awful, like really, really, really bad. And they should absolutely do that. So, yeah, I, I, they're starting to have some fun. They're starting to do all these mm-hmm. all these little little things that they were doing in the beginning of the season. And, um, yeah, that's a good thing because when you're playing a really, really, really crappy team like the Orioles, you should have some fun because it shouldn't be that difficult. And I also just want to mention, we should mention this, that we're recording Sunday morning. Yes. Because some moron in MLB decided to schedule the Yankees and Orioles uh, as the Sunday night game, I thought those games were supposed to be good matchups. And even at the beginning of the season, you knew this was not going to be a good matchup. We all knew the Orioles were going to suck. We even knew preseason they were going to sell off Manny Machado and everybody. Maybe some of their own beat reporters didn't know they were going to sell off Manny Machado, but we could kind of see the writing on the wall. Yeah, I have no idea. When I when I looked at the schedule, I was like, oh, what time do you want to record on Sunday? Like, you know, 5, 6 o'clock when the game's over. And then I saw that it was a Sunday night game. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is just some bullshit ESPN conspiracy where they're trying to keep us up till 1 o'clock in the morning. So, so yeah, it's, it's worked out well in the sense that they've won every game against Baltimore. And they swept the doubleheader yesterday, so we're recording early. If something significant happens this evening, we will come back on after the, show, or after the game and talk about it. Or you might just get one of us. So, um, but we'll cover it no matter what. I think there needs to be a rule. You know how in the NFL, if they don't sell out, then it can't be broadcast locally? I think there should be a rule for Sunday Night Baseball. If you can't sell out at least 75% of the tickets, you should not be on Sunday Night Baseball. And if you've noticed, these first three games in Baltimore, there's been like maybe 40, 50% of the stadium. And of those people, 99% are Yankee fans. Well, that's the thing. Like, Where's the line when the other team is actually bringing the people into your stadium. They're, they're literally traveling down in buses so that they can fill your stadium uh, to, to make it look relatively decent. But it's all Yankee fans. It's literally Yankee Stadium South. Like there are, that, that place is, has been taken over. It's no Camden, longer the Orioles Stadium. Camden was the original Yankee Stadium South. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and you know, they were loud. There's Yankee. I mean, let, let's go Yankees chance throughout the game loud uh, you if the Orioles fans wanted to stop them they couldn't I don't think Orioles fans really care at this point they're they're so mentally checked out they're just um, happy they could bring their dog to the stadium and then if they buy like a three dollar ticket my brother used to live in Baltimore when he was going to school and uh and when he got out and they would have student specials where you could sit literally like I swear he was sitting like 20 rows back for for like five bucks it was ridiculous to, they just want to get people in that place yeah yeah I mean that's uh, so 
there was a last season, I believe the A's did a one dollar ticket day. Yeah. Every any seat in the ballpark was one dollar. It was first come, first serve. And it's genius because they actually had like a sellout. And then you make so much money on beer and hot dogs and all that stuff. You know what they need to do? They need to have like almost like a uh, remember the show back in the day. It was really old, like supermarket sweep. They have a new version of it on or like the the real world where, you know, they, they all go in and like find their room in the beginning of the show. I think they need to do this where they, they sell them for a buck. And then let everybody in at the same time and just go find your seats. And whoever gets there, gets there. It would be great. Yeah. It'd be like literally running out to your run out to the position you want. You uh, you lost me at Supermarket Sweep, but you got me back at Real World. Nice. Well, yeah. So concept is open the gates, free for all, go. <laughs> and they can make it like a Hunger Games situation. Yeah, yeah. That would be, again, when you're doing it there, it becomes an Orioles-Yankees thing. And, and I think literally at that point, the, there would be no longer any Orioles fans in there because the desire is not there. And I think Yankee fans might actually hurt you badly if you're trying to take their seat. If you are first person in the ballpark, you get to pick any seat. Where are you going? You're going behind home plate, behind one of the dugouts, or maybe second level so you get a better vantage point. What's your, what's your favorite spot? I'm a, I, I like behind the home dugout. That's, that's my, my yeah. favorite spot. I like to uh, hear and see the player interactions. And also um, field level so I can see everything. Yeah, I think I agree. I've sat behind home plate before, and it is a totally different vantage point, and you, I, you do get fooled on some fly balls sometimes. Yeah, I'm actually not a big fan of sitting behind uh, home plate. I, I much prefer having, you know, you don't get the balls and strike calls when you're on, the, on one of the dugouts because you, you have no perception of the, of the depth or from side to side. But everything else you could see. And, and that's that's uh, that's right. And then plus, I love seeing like the the player stuff on, when they're coming off the field. Yeah. OK, we got we have something special for you guys for our September 15th BP crew event. We are going to be doing a ticket giveaway. So we're going to give away two tickets. Uh, Scott, why don't you fill people in on how they can enter this contest? All right, so we're doing a contest this time for two tickets for the BP Crew event. It's a September 15th event So, uh, versus the Blue Jays. And hopefully, if the Yankees continue to play well, that this game actually could mean something pretty significant. So the, um, the, this is the way that we're going to do this. Is We want to find out, one, first of all, make sure you can go to the game if, when, you, uh, when, <laughs> when you're entering this. Because if you can't go to the game, or if you, you know, maybe you have family in the area that would want to go to the game. So just make sure you have someone to go to the game. We don't want these tickets, obviously, to go unused. That's not the whole point of this. Uh, so in, the, in iTunes, in the reviews, what we're going to do is we want, you, we want to see who's the most obsessed Yankee fan and, and why you're the most obsessed Yankee fan, whether it's a pregame ritual, uh, things that you do for, you know, for a game, things that you wear, things that you own, anything that makes you – why you're the like, most obsessed Yankee fan. I want to hear about everybody's little intricacies because I know uh, there's a lot, of different, a lot of different vantage points and a lot of different levels of obsessity, uh, of obsession when we're talking about being a fan. So put those in there. We want to hear why you're a ridiculously obsessed Yankee fan and why you're a lunatic. Um, when, you're, when you're finished with that in the review, uh, just put the hashtag BP crew, and then we'll know that uh, we want to enter you into the contest. So again, go into iTunes, go to the review section, uh, give us a rating and review, whether I don't, you know, five stars, four, whatever you want to do, whatever, no, however, five whatever, stars. make it five. But if you feel different then you know, that's your deal. Uh, but put in why you know, put in the, the reasons why you're an obsessed Yankee fan. And then we're going to uh, choose from the people who put them in. 
And we're going to pick a winner on Thursday, September 6th. So as you guys are listening to this, it's August 27th. So you've got about a week and a half to to enter this contest. And we'll mention it again on the next episode. But Thursday, September 6th, which also gives you enough time to prepare if you have to come out of town or whatever it is uh, for the September 15th day. Yeah. And, uh, rem- you know, because these are the event. Uh, tickets. You're also going to get the T-shirt for the event as well, and uh, and you know we'll we'll be up there hanging out at the pregame uh, at the dugout beforehand. So it's a it's always a fun day hanging out with uh, a number of obsessed Yankee fans. And if you uh, don't think if you're just not you don't think you're a lucky person, you don't think you're going to win, you can still buy the tickets. Sixty four dollars gets you a ticket in section two hundred five plus, like Scott just said, the T-shirt. And then a pregame party, which uh, is going to be at the dugout right outside Yankee Stadium. It's a 4 o'clock game right now. They could flex it to 1 o'clock. Either way, we're going to be at the dugout about two hours before the game. Um, last time for, for the 98-day, uh, we opened the bar at 10 a.m. So yes, we still had a ton of people come in. It was a lot of fun. All right. So as we said, Yankees uh, swept doubleheader. They're seven back of Boston, six in the loss column, because Boston has kind of stumbled four and six over the last 10 games. And I have been scouring the internet looking for Pedro Martinez's comments. Like, what are his thoughts on the Red Sox being four and six over the last ten? I can't find his comments. No, it's like he's, uh, it's like the cat got his tongue. He was just going for those, you know, those uh, the big headlines talking about Pedro talking about the Yankees. Like, the the, the team is struggling right now, and uh, you know, we we all thought this was going to happen at some point, whether it's a small little stumbling block or this extends into something a little bit, a little bit more. And, and, you know, really gets in the heads of the Red Sox, which that's what I'm hoping for. I'm really hoping it gets in there and, and stays in there for, for a while and puts some serious doubt. And without having Chris Sale, that's a big deal and that's a big blow. They know they don't have that guy to come in and absolutely stop whatever losing streak they have. So, um, yeah, Pedro needs to speak up. Let's go. Let's go. How, what's the mindset of a team that's blowing a lead? It's still over a month to play. We're not even it's still over a month to play. But I think, do you think the Red Sox are starting to look in the rearview mirror? Do they do they just say, ah, this is a little bit of a hiccup over 10 games. We're going to turn this around, no problem. Because they, we know they played Cleveland. They struggled slightly with Cleveland. And then, and then Tampa, who just seems to, I don't know, Tampa plays up to the Yankees. They're playing up to the Red Sox. They somehow figure out ways to win with nobody on that team. Um, Kevin Cash is getting the best out of his roster. So they're kind of struggling with Tampa like we've seen the Yankees do. Yeah, and uh, Tampa's really, they're probably one of the more impressive teams this year, honestly. I mean, right now they're eight games above 500 and playing well against the uh, the Red Sox. They've won seven games in a row. Like, this team is on a mission right now to to say that, hey, we're not the, the lowly Tampa Bay Devil Rays. They definitely proved me wrong this year um, when, you know, you can recognize maybe one or two guys on their team and then the rest of them are just a bunch of, you know, young kids coming up. And there's something to say about that. I mean, I think we've we've seen... Uh, you know, even starting uh, two, three years ago, that this the longer than that probably. Baseball has become a young man's sport, and 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 these guys are, are are definitely you know aggressive, having fun, and and playing good baseball. So, um, you know, good for Kevin Cash getting those guys to play, and I'm really happy they're doing it against the Red Sox right now. Are you apologizing to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays organization? <gasps> it's not so much of apology; it's more of a you know an attaboy, like good job for proving me wrong type thing. I w- I'm not, I would not call it an apology. That's way too far. But you know what? I, I have to give them some credit because they're playing really well with a bunch of nobodies. You're... And, and bullpenning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look I mean, look at what they're doing. It's 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 not winning baseball. Like you look at that 
at, at that little uh, that formula to win a game. It, and no, it doesn't. That normally doesn't work. Well, and it's never doing been it. done. It's it's revolutionary for, for a reason. I I think. Um, what do you mean for a reason though? I mean it's it's never really been tried because the the five starting pitcher model has been the way it it's been for 30 years or whatever yeah well why why in the beginning of baseball why why didn't they have um nine pitchers go out there and throw because they because why does that keep happening while i'm recording because it's not sustainable that that's the whole thing about the formula it's not a sustainable formula and you know I, i'm impressed that they've done it as as long as they've done it but i still don't think it's sustainable to do across baseball like i think it's a fluky thing you have to have a, a ridiculous amount of pitchers on your roster or they do. You have to have that shuttle. I don't even know where, where does their where does their shuttle come from. Uh, somewhere where's else the, in Florida. You mean where's the Tampa uh, minor league system? Yeah, Who the it's, hell cares? It's it's somewhere there. <laughs> so and thus concludes the Tampa Bay Devil Rays <laughs> podcast. But yeah, you know it's uh, it's it is impressive. So I think Kevin Cash gets a lot of credit for the way he's managed this year. Okay, moving on. Yeah, as you said at the top, the Yankees are having fun. Uh, you saw Didi making the smiley face sign in the dugout yesterday. You know, it is players weekend. So the guys are having fun out there. They're having their, their, their custom designed cleats and their nickname jerseys. Um, do you think that the Yankees are starting to get a little bit looser now? Maybe, uh, the month of August is coming to a close. They've pretty much been in, uh, fight mode since the all-star break. Wouldn't you agree? No, absolutely. I think that, well, everything's been going wrong too, you know, and I think they, they hit a point where, you know, the, the, the schedule has certainly relaxed. They probably are like, look, guys, look around this, look around this, this, uh, this locker room. Look at how many good players we have and look where we are and look across. That team is awful. They've got double A guys, triple A guys, probably some single A guys sprinkled in there. Like, we should be beating this team with our hands tied behind our back. Let's have some fun and see how that works. And I think it's working. I think that's what they need to get back to. They need to get back to the, the uh, you know, the, the joyful, exuberant Yankees that, that have a good time, that, that do play like a bunch of kids, because that's when they're at their best, when they're loose, when they're playing well. Um, and, and it's good to see. And I love seeing Didi with his arms completely outstretched. My wife and I were laughing at the picture because he, not only does he hold, is he holding a sign, but he looks utterly ridiculous by holding <laughs> his, like locking the elbows, like perfect form <laughs> all the way up with the stupid sign that he twists. It's just great when you see stupid sh- when you see stupid shit like that. Like you gotta laugh. Um, so I'm glad they're having fun. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like the the clubhouse, the locker room is having fun. Except maybe Aaron Boone because I was watching his post game and I took a screenshot. Damn, does he look like he's aged in the last two months? <laughs> Pretty much July and August have taken the life out of Aaron Boone. I think. Yeah, and you know we were talking about this before the uh, before we hit record, but. Yeah, it's funny because when you see everybody, the last time we've seen Aaron Boone in the past, you know, five years or so um, has been on ESPN. And he's had a guy, you know, a guy or a girl doing his makeup. He's probably hitting the gym a lot more, going to the spa, making sure his skin looks good for TV, you know, doing all the things that he needs to do to be on television. And now he's just letting it all go like this. This is the real Aaron Boone. This is what this is what Mrs. Boone sees when she wakes up every day. Like this is the guy that is uh, just an old school rugged baseball guy. No, no makeup, no spa days, just the grind of, uh, of the Yankees media and a full baseball season. So this is, this is the real Aaron Boone. I well, I, I think we've seen it though. You look at pictures from 08 with Joe Girardi and then 2018, 2017 with Joe Girardi his hair is gray. It's he looks weathered, and we're already seeing it with Boone. I, I really do think the everydayness 
of answering to the media has to be what takes the life out of these guys. Well, yeah, I mean, you, it's a lot of it's a lot of games too. Just period, just being on the road a lot too. I, I don't know. I think it's the whole thing uh, that that Boone is uh, is definitely is definitely feeling it. And you know, with the, when we see with Girardi and Tory, we're looking over like a what seven to ten year span. We're, we're seven months into you know his, uh, his 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 tenure here, and he's already starting to to beat down. But I think he started because he was on TV before again. You know, I think he started on, on, on a higher a higher level. So we're seeing a, a, a larger fall from grace. We also I also took the screenshot after a doubleheader. So he's been at the ballpark probably since nine in the morning. He's got the five o'clock shadow rocking. It's, it was a long day for 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 Aaron Boone. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, all right, guys, football is back. And also baseball is nearing the playoffs. And SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets for every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Scott, you and I both have the SeatGeek app. It's super easy to use, and uh, definitely when you're – I like the fact that when you are looking for tickets, they color code it. Just for my simple brain, that works. I go immediately go to the green ones, and I say, all right, what's the best value I can get here? Yeah, you definitely need the simple things in life to uh, to make to make it easier for the road to be greener for you. The the SeatGeek app is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites. This is what I like. You don't have to go around and, and go to every single ticket website. You could just go to one and find all of the value that you need. Um, they grade every ticket based on value. Uh, SeatGeek immediately helps you identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every single purchase is fully guaranteed. That's huge. No more, no fraud. Or you're not going to get tickets and then realize they don't work when you get to the when you get to the gate. Um, so you could so you could shop for your tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And SeatGeek has plenty of tickets for the concerts and comedy and theater and all that stuff. And I know you like to go to Broadway shows, right? One Broadway show. It was a nice uh, Valentine's show. Day gift for the fiance. All right. Well, I actually do have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I actually. Just used it to buy some preseason tickets for a buddy of mine uh, for the Jets a couple weeks ago, and it worked like a charm, and I'm excited about my Jets this year. Finally, we have a quarterback, I think, knocking on wood. Best of all, listeners to the Bronx Pinstripe Show get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. Enter promo code BRONX today. That's promo code BRONX for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You want to make a prediction on the Jets, just really quick, win total? Because we know how good you are with predictions. 20-game winner for Sonny Gray. Yankees are going to beat the Devil Rays 19 times this year. So what's right. your what's your win total for the Jets this season? Um, four. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like they're going to be 3-13 and 13 this season. So that'll be a good prediction. No, I don't think they're going to win a ton of games. I, I think they'll be more competitive, and I think that um, the you know we're not looking at 2018. I'm just looking for a quarterback that's going to take us through the next 10 years. And right. it kind of looks like they have that. Yeah, good for you. Good for the Jets. Uh, you know what the Yankees do not have? And that's a first baseman they can rely on. Because for three straight seasons now, it's been a complete disaster at first base. Whether it's, um, well, after Greg Bird came up in 2015 and actually replaced Mark Teixeira after he got injured, then Bird goes down for a full season with the shoulder. Teixeira was in his last season. He was bad. He was banged up all season. It was kind of just riding. They were just riding him out until he retired. And then last year with the Chris Carter debacle and Bird's foot. And now this year, Bird, for other than 14 games, I found a 14-game stretch right before the All-Star break where it looked like Bird was turning it around. Other than that, 
he's been totally lost. Yeah, and that 14-game stretch, too, was kind of a, a little bit of a tease because it seemed like in this, you know, when you're looking at the season and, and how he's going up to the All-Star break, you're like, all right, this could be this this feels like a good opportunity where he's had enough games under his belt and he's starting to go. And I'm like, wow, this this could be a really good catalyst going into the second half of the season. And no, he, you know, he, he hits the All-Star break with, uh, you know, on a on a good stride and then just completely shits the bed afterwards and, and has been absolutely uh, you know, missing. He's just been gone. A terrible baseball player since then. And, uh, you, you know, everybody knows the story of, of Luke Kerrigan and Wally Pip because now enter Luke Voigt. Oh, God. Lewis. Lewis Voigt, son of John Voigt, Cadillac, or not uh, station wagon, chewing of pencils, but yes. not really. Driving uh, around in Luke Voigt's car. Driving around in Luke Voigt's car. That's what Greg Bird's going to be doing. He's going to be driving around in a station wagon soon because he's not going to have a job. And this guy is, uh, you know, he comes in with the with his real name on his back, and hits two bombs, and, and comes in and starts playing well, and, and starts talking about maybe I was a little little too press, I was pressing myself too much when I first got over here, and I was trying to do too much. So maybe this is the real Luke Voigt. Maybe this is the guy that Brian Cashman stole from the St. Louis Cardinals from Ch- for Chase and Shreve. So you know, maybe we do have our next all time great Yankee first baseman. He's just uh, we just don't know it completely yet. Well, maybe, but what I'm more concerned about is that maybe we're seeing the real Greg Bird, who is now hitting under 200 on the season, and he's two for his last 31. The only two hits he has are those home runs, uh, the home run and garbage time last Saturday that we saw, and then the grand slam, which we thought, oh, hey, look, Greg Bird finally got a big hit. Maybe this is another step in the right direction. Just like those 14 games leading up to the All-Star break when he had a 922 OPS, five homers, and 15 RBIs. Well, since then... 31 games, 556 OPS, only three homers and 14 RBIs. And like I just said, he's now batting 199 on the season. I mean, we're basically dealing with Sonny Gray on the other side, right? I mean, like, yeah. we're, we're always waiting. And every time Sonny would come out there and pitch well uh, on, a, on a given start, we're like, oh, ooh, this, that, that looked like a flash of what we, what we thought we were getting. Same thing with Bird. We're like, oh, is this the spring training Greg Bird of 2017? Like, is this the guy we're getting? You know, and and then no, it just never it never really catapults or, or never really continues into anything good. So um, I feel like it's the same story. Just uh, you know, one's a one's a pitcher, one's a position player. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, I think one of the bigger things that are concerning to me is is one. Um, yes, he's not hitting, but why is he not hitting? Is he that just not a good baseball player? As everybody thought, he was one of the best hitters in the Yankees organization. Or wah, wah, is he hurt again? Is he still not right physically? And honestly, that's what I think, because I, I was listening to Francesa on Friday and in between the Billy Joel cover band and him talking about his 899 app, there was some <laughs> baseball in there. We got to talk about that, by the way. Yeah. And Aaron Boone came on the show at the five o'clock hour. I think it was Friday. And um, it was. So Francesa was talking to him and I thought there was some really good stuff because Francesa was talking about rumors that he that he heard that Boone wasn't feeling right. That or, I'm sorry, that um, Bird wasn't feeling right and that there, his foot was bothering him again. And the way that Boone answered these questions to me when I was listening and I try to like listen behind the words, you know what I mean? Like trying to hear how it's said or what is said around like the meat of the uh, what comes out of his mouth. And I heard a lot of dancing around kind of like trying to cover things up almost. And, and that's what it sounded like. He said he's talking. He talks to Bird all the time about how he feels, and Bird responds, "I'm healthy enough. I feel good enough where I could be highly productive." When somebody says to you, "How do you feel?" and you see, you say, "I feel healthy enough," and I don't care what the hell comes out of your mouth after that. That means you're not healthy. 
That means you something is wrong and something is bothering you because you saying you're healthy enough means that you're not completely healthy. And and I'm that I'm reading into this is this guy is not healthy. He uh, he obviously is not playing well. And the last time we saw like this bad of a guy, you know, within a week or two, he was back on the DL and getting a bone removed from his from his foot. So I don't think he's healthy. How many bones does he have in his foot? They can't remove any more bones. They They've keep already... growing back. They're like the it's this weird like regrowing bird bone that just comes back in his foot. I don't know what the hell it is. Calcium. It's... He drank too much milk. Well, like I said, he's got an ankle made of string cheese. It's it's strange. And now he's got a foot made of uh, who knows what. But yeah, it's terrible. And I I as soon as you because you were listening live to that Francesca interview and then you put it in the quote in our Facebook chat. And I went back and I listened to the interview, and I totally agree with you. When, as soon as Francesa brought up Boone, uh, brought up Bird Boone, you could tell he was like, "All right, how do I word this so yeah. it doesn't sound too bad?" Right. And, and now, and the and the day after that, uh, on the weekend, they're giving him a day off against a, a right-handed pitcher that nobody has any idea who they are. <laughs> it's the okay, Orioles, well, so, right? So they gave him a day off on Friday with Cobb on the mound as a right-handed pitcher, and they already had Thursday off. So back to back off days for Greg Bird. Okay. Why? And it was Cobb. Sorry, it was the one person that everybody does know. He's just having a horrible season. Yeah, he, five year array. Yeah. Um. I. You know. I, that's exactly right. Why? Why is he getting off? Because. Uh. Because he's hurt. <laughs> because he's been bad. Like yes, he's been bad too. And, and I'm not saying that. I'm not only going to give him an excuse to say he's hurt and that's why he's bad. I don't know that. I don't know what he is. I have no. And anybody who says they do. They're, they're talking out of their ass because they have no idea who Greg Bird is. Nobody knows who Greg Bird is. Yes, he's had a big, he hit a home run off Andrew Miller. Do you remember that? It was a he lefty. had a good postseason. Yeah. He had a good postseason. And I think he's he had flashed. A, flash. It's all, it's all it is is flashes with Greg Bird. It's flashes in the pan. And every time, it's just another injury, injury after injury. I'm, it's everyone is getting sick of him. Yes. I, don't, I can't find one person that is still on Greg, Bird, Greg Bird's side. So the. Enter, enter Lewis Luke Voigt. Yeah, Luke Voigt. Two homers on Friday. He had the uh, the two run homer early in the game, uh, and then the two run homer in extra innings to give the Yankees insurance, which actually they needed because yeah. Britain gave up a run. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to get excited over Luke Voigt. I mean, you should get excited about Luke Voigt. Why not? Why? It was because it was fun. It was good. He he could be something. No, look, you don't be. get overly excited. You get excited about the moment. You get excited about the fact that he has come over um, and, you know, he first of all, he's played good defense the entire time he's been here. That's that's something I've noticed is that he's a he's an upgrade to Greg Bird on uh, defensive side. And if Greg Bird's not playing defense well either, what are you doing for us? Seriously, what are you doing for this team if you can't play defense at a high level and you're god-awful with the bat? I, I really don't. I don't know what he's doing. He's moping around the dugout. Who knows what the hell he's doing? He's laughing at the, at the reporter saying he's healthy, even though maybe that was just a nervous laugh because he really knew in the back of his mind that he wasn't healthy and, and it was uh, comical that he was still on the field. Maybe that was why he was laughing. But I do, yeah, I like the idea of Luke Voigt because he's a bigger guy. He got super excited when he hit those home runs. Big shitty grin on his face when he was running around the bases. And he just looks like a guy that after the, that two home run game, he went in there and just went to town on the post game buffet. And yeah. Oh, yeah. he looks like a fun guy. So great. And the, do you remember the comments, uh, the scouting report on himself that he gave? Yeah. Uh, so he seems like the, the sort of fun, fun guy to have around, but. <laughs> he's, I'm not going to get excited that he's going to be the next great thing at first base. Yeah, he's a poor man's Kyle Schwarber. That's who he is. That's that's oh, this God. guy. That oh, is yeah. an insult. 
No, it's not. Because Kyle, I mean, Kyle Schwarber hasn't really lived up to what we thought he was going to be. I mean, he was terrible last year. I think he's having a better year this year, but still not the, the guy that I think everybody thought he would. I, I joke when I say this, but I, I'm really just looking, you know, the way that they, you put them side by side and they might be the same guy. Um, but his stance, I, I tweeted about this when I first saw him on Friday night. Uh, it was the first time I noticed it, but he does. His stance does kind of look like um, uh, our boy that, that's, that's now hitting all sorts of home runs for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Matt Holiday. I almost forgot his name. Oh, I was like, where are you going? Jesus I, I, Christ, dude. I'm like, <laughs> save me. What are you doing? Help me out That was here. a great moment. You Did you watch the video of Holiday's home run? Pinch hit homer for yeah. the Rockies? Yeah, it good was for him. I like. I liked it. I it like. I'm a, I'm a fan of Matt Holiday. I think um, the fact that he went back to Colorado, I thought it was just going to be like a, a sign and retire type thing. But no, he's right. contributing. Good for him. But their stance is like when he's up there at the plate, Voight, you see some, uh, some Matt Holiday in that batting stance. And Matt Holiday also, at, while he was unemployed over the winter, did not skip arm day. In fact, he did two a days on arm days. Oh, he does not skip arm day. No, that's that would be against. I think his, his, his forearms regiment. doubled in size over the winter somehow. He He's a massive chopping, human being. Chopping wood all winter. Yeah, I mean, I kind of missed the the little the little relationship with uh, with Holiday and Gardner. I think they had Gardner, a good thing yeah. going. That was the that bald was, bash bros. Yeah, and Gardner had one of his best years last year, so maybe he needs his bald friend. He does. Well, he's starting to hit. He's starting to hit a little bit better too. He's been a bad slump. He's the John Starks of baseball, and now he's uh, he's hitting the hitting the good side of the streak. So that's good. What about this? Uh, Gary Sanchez should get some reps at first base while he's doing his rehab, and maybe the Yankees could, for a temporary fix for the rest of the season, have Sanchez at first base since Greg Bird's giving them absolutely nothing anyway. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I, I hate it a lot. Well. Um, well I'll tell you Let's why I hate it. it. Let's unpack it because why do you hate it? Let me tell you why I hate it. I hate it because one, we've criticized how badly, you know, how this guy has played defense uh, on the position that he has played his entire life and, and how he has, you know, not had shown the effort that, that I think Yankee fans are looking for. And, and obviously there have been um, glimpses of him not doing these things. We won't, we won't live those those glimpses anymore because now I feel like we've turned the page and he he's he's coming back best condition of his life from what they're saying. I want him to focus on his position. I don't want him to focus. I want him to focus on his position and hitting the ball. Now you want to throw in a whole new position that he's got to learn and practice a lot because if he's not practicing it a lot, he's not going to play it well. And if he's practicing that more, then he's not getting reps either at catcher or he's not getting reps at the in the cage. Why are we taking away from the two things that he already needs to improve on? Why are we adding another element to his game uh, that he doesn't need to think about at all, especially down the stretch in a short amount of time? We need this guy to focus on what he's been good at in the past, that's being a catcher and hitting the ball hard and far. That's it. I don't want him learning a new position coming back into the, 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 you know, the middle of a, uh, a potential pennant race, if not setting up for the playoffs. That's why I hate I- it. I get all that, but that's a um, lot. That's a big reason. It's a big reason. And I guess if you're just focusing on Sanchez's long term future, then the right move is to have him come back and play catcher. I'm totally on board with that. I think it's better short term also. If you're looking at it from a team perspective, though, where is the team not getting anything from? First base. Greg Bird isn't providing them offense and he isn't providing them defense. I just looked it up. Minus three defensive runs saved this, this year at first base defensively for Greg Bird. So. Like you just said, he's giving the team absolutely nothing. They're going to have to do something. If Luke Voigt is going to be the guy, great. But if not, 
Maybe Gary Sanchez. That might keep him healthy also. Maybe he won't pull a groin muscle for the third time this season if he's only playing first base. You know, he's got to get that big body in the crouch position. Have you tried to crouch recently? Yes, I have, actually. It hurts. You know, look, I, this, is, this, is, uh, this is a terrible idea because <laughs> this, is, this is one of your worst ideas. The, the, uh, the fact is, is that he's going to come in. He's going to have to learn his, his, his foot position for playing first base. He's going to have to field the ground ball. I mean, what happens when, when he goes out there and, and a, a ball goes between his legs because he doesn't get down in the position to block it? I mean, honestly, this is going to happen. He, he, this is a terrible idea. He would be bad as a defensive player. We have a guy who's a catcher that can actually play first base uh, relatively well. If you want to do something like that, just put Romine over there then. No, see, okay. And I, I was talking to somebody about this on Twitter. They're like, well, but because right now Romine, he is an average uh, offensive catcher. Um and that's fine. You don't really care. If you're getting Romine defensively, I know he can't throw runners out, but he blocks the ball fine. Pitchers like throwing to him, blah, 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 whatever. And you're not getting a lot of offense from him, you can live with it. You can't really live with nothing from first base offensively. That is a premium offensive position. You need to get something from your guy at first base. And right now, the Yankees aren't. So, so, so insert Gary adding, Sanchez, who's you, hitting you, under a 200 average, okay. not hitting home do you think runs. Gary Sanchez is, do you think Gary Sanchez is a 200 hitter, or do you think he's a better hitter? I think he's a better hitter, but he needs to work on his craft. He doesn't learn, need to learn a new position while he's trying to get better at the one thing he's really good at. Let's, yeah. Why are you trying to throw in another mental thing? Like To me, the short term is even worse than the long term, because I'm it's going to jack him up. I'm trying to fix the team's weakness right now with the with the players that I think could provide them the most offensively. And what I think what I think this does is it takes away from one of the strengths and adds to the weakness. Absolutely. So Gary Sanchez catching and hitting is absolutely when the Yankees are at their best. We all agree on that. But that's assuming they're getting at least league average production from first base and they're not. But again, my point is is that you're you're adding you're taking away from the st- strength and then you're making a weak position just as weak, really, because they because when you look at the defensive side of it, do you know how many balls are going to get past him at first base? Do you know how many scoops are not going to happen? There's going to be a lot. He's going to be bad at first base if he just tries to learn the position in a week, two weeks, because that's when he's coming back. He's ready to come back. Look, this is this is kind of a moot point because he's not doing that. It ain't happening. He's 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 going back as the catcher. They they say he's in the best physical uh, uh, condition that he's been in all year. So that's great. Maybe that's well, telling he better why be. He's there. He hasn't done anything for a, two months essentially. He was out. He came back for what was it, three games or whatever, and goes back on the DL. So he's essentially had two months off. If if do you know what what KISS is? Kiss. Keep it simple, Keep stupid. It simple, stupid. Right? Yeah. It's you call like, me stupid. It's every marketing 101. If anybody takes a, a marketing class, you learn this on like the first week. It just happens because when you have to try to do something and you're you're, you're trying to to make a concerted effort to to make gains or to get attention or whatever, you got to keep things simple so that you can you can simplify an approach and get what you can out of that guy. That's what Gary Sanchez needs to do. Keep it simple, stupid. You need to keep it simple and, and get your reps at, at, at the um, at the plate. You need to get your reps at the catcher position because that's what you know. That's what your your muscle memory tells you what to do. He doesn't need to throw anything else in there. He needs to keep it simple and go back to what he knows he could do well. That's how he will help this team because you know what? 
if if someone is playing in the field and they see that Gary Sanchez is back to form and throwing guys out and and mashing the ball, that's just going to up everybody else's game too. They're going to see that, get excited, and it's going to be one of those contagious things. Losing is contagious, playing bad is contagious, but winning and hitting also contagious. What about once Sanchez is back, you have him DH and then move Neil Walker to first base. Fine. Didi's back at short and Glaber at second and Stanton in right field until Judge is is back. That to me is a realistic, uh, that's a realistic situation. When we get healthy in the field and Neil Walker doesn't have to play nine positions, he could go back and start playing first base a little bit more. I think that is going to happen. Um, it, it depends what happens to Greg Bird. It, you know, if he if he doesn't come back, if he starts hitting, who knows? But Luke Voigt is is going to be there in the mix now for a little while, and and, and Neil Walker is going to be in the mix at first base. I think down the stretch we're going to see a lot more Neil Walker at first base. All right, another guy the Yankees got back off the DL on Friday was Cece, and it looked like it was going to be a rough game for him. Rough first inning, first two batters bunted, and you know how Cece loves when people bunt against him and then he gave up a two rbi single to chris davis who came into that game hitting 160 and he actually had three hits in that game and i believe he had uh that he hit the home run off britain late in that game right was yes. it davis yeah i think it was crush davis was actually crushing the ball this weekend yeah one out of you know one out of ten the guy can do something i mean literally i was talking about this on uh uh on our on our writers chat yesterday, the one of the worst contracts. Like you, we we look at Ellsbury and his contract was bad too, but the fact that Davis even got the contract that he did, it's not like he really deserved it in the first place. Like that's an unbelievable contract. He had one monster season in Baltimore, and they were like, okay, here here's the entire bank. Here's our entire we're, franchise. We don't want to prepare to sign Manny Machado. We want to sign Chris Davis. <laughs> Awful. So yeah, good good for his agent. If it's Scott Boris, I don't know who it is, but. Um, no, it was a, a bad start to, to the game, but CC, what he does is he locks it up. Uh, he is mentally tough, mentally strong. This guy is uh, nothing really phases him, and he came back, settled in, and uh, and went six innings. So good for CC. Yeah. And he really settled in because he had like a 26 pitch first inning, and then he get, got through six innings on only 80 pitches. Yeah, with with eight strikeouts too. So he was eight still getting yeah. getting strikeouts, which usually will uh, knock your your pitch count up. So good for him. I mean, talk about locking it down. And I thought, you know, because he was going so well, maybe they'd push him into the seventh inning. And then I thought it through and I'm like, okay, he's first back, first game back off the DL. Let's not push him. The bullpen had a day off the night before. So they went to Robertson in the seventh inning. Glaber makes the error leading off the seventh inning. But Robertson gave up a two-run homer homer to VR with uh, one out. I don't know what's going on with Robertson. They say he's healthy again. They gave him pretty much a week off with that sore shoulder. But I don't know. It, it kind of worries me that Robertson um, took a week off and then comes back and gets hit in the one inning he comes back in. Yeah, I mean, maybe that could be possibly, you know, what, what was going on too. The fact, yeah, that he was rusty and that he hadn't pitched in a long time too, and he had soreness in the shoulder. So, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, I think we have to judge him uh, what we see probably in the next week or so, uh, but not just from his first time. It was kind of an odd situation for him to come in, I think, after not being, um, not being. Not, not pitching in such a long time, so he was he was in a, a, a relatively uh, decent leverage situation, especially when you're you're trying to uh, to win that game on on, uh, on on the first game of the series. So I, I don't know. I gotta wait to see how Drab is before making any judgments. But it wasn't good. Yeah. Well, they they got the win in extra innings, and you're thinking, oh God, they got to go to extra innings on a day before a doubleheader. Things are not shaping up well. Once again, the Yankees are not able to bury the Orioles. 
a team they should be crushing, but they won the game in the 10th and then they got the sweep of the doubleheader. Hap set them up nicely. He's That's what he does, six innings. Um, so he's made five starts this year and he's pitched into the sixth inning in all of them, which is exactly what the Yankees wanted when they traded for Jay Hap. Yeah, he stabilized the the rotation. In fact, he, now he's almost leading the rotation. What five five starts, uh, five and zero. Oh. He's he's had he has a uh, you know a, a very outside chance, but maybe not uh, winning twenty games. So I was talking about Jay Happ the whole time, obviously. But this is you know the, like this guy has has been really just an amazing amazing deal so far uh, coming over, and the Yankees obviously had such a deficiency in the rotation. And the way Hap has pitched, and Lynn, to the the most most of his starts have been good, and he's seen some hiccups. But Hap has been just a, one of those just lockdown guys. And like you said, we talked about this pretty much on every one of his starts. He he kind of lulls you to sleep. He's boring in he the best sense of the word. Very boring to watch. But I I like you just said I say that as a compliment. But he does work fast. One thing like I think a lot of people say pitchers are boring too when they take forever. He doesn't actually take forever. He just. He's just there's not a much emotion. He he mixes pitches up a lot, uh, and he just he gets seems to get through innings pretty well. Like he'll have a hiccup it's, here and there, but he just stabilizes everything. Yeah, it's boring in the sense because he's not throwing overly hard. Not his stuff doesn't look that great. So you're not like oh wow look at that slider that Hap just struck out this this uh, player on. Whereas like with Severino. He'll throw a slider and it's the nastiest slider you've ever seen, and you can gif it and it goes viral on Twitter. Blah blah blah. That's not going to happen with Hap on the mound. You know, he when I was a kid, uh, one of the one of the guys that would pitch for the Yankees that every day he would pitch. I'm like, okay, we have a really good chance to win this game. And he kind of reminds me of that that calming presence of uh, uh, Jimmy Key. Jimmy Key came in when he was playing with the Yankees, and you know, came over from the Blue Jays, was just really really good with the Yankees. And he wasn't he didn't have any great stuff. He wasn't the overmatching uh, type pitcher, but he threw strikes. He he just lulled everybody. So he went about his business, and that's that's kind of who he reminds me of. Um, it's, he good, comes, it's a good comp. Comes in and, and just you know is the the steady Eddie of the rotation and uh, and and the team knows when Jay Haps on the mound they have an opportunity to win. They got to put up some runs and they'll, they they have a very good opportunity to win the game. So I like that. Um, and it was a big spot for him because yeah. he's he's preceding Sonny Gray, who is a. <laughs> I mean that's a that's a complete unknown for the Yankees. You can't. They certainly were not banking on six and a third, no runs, seven strikeouts, and only three hits from Sonny Gray. No, you can't. I mean, you can never expect that. They they were probably so. I I found it interesting that they went to Sessa uh, in game one because I thought Sessa was up for insurance just in case Sonny Gray shits the bed again. You got to go to somebody in the third or fourth inning. Well, I think the what was the score when Sessa came in? It was it was it was a blowout. It was a blowout at that point, right? Right, so, but. Yeah, but, but here's the deal. What I think, I think that if you're putting Sessa in after Sonny Gray, things are things are bad, right? Things are yeah. not good at that point. So, are they going to get better with Sessa in there, or are you going to try to fight to get back in the game? So, when you're looking at that situation, you're almost making it worse if you put Sessa in. So, I think with the blowout, you just need to save those arms. And if there was any glimpse of Sonny Gray giving anything up in that second game, I think Boone would have gone earlier to the uh, to the bullpen to try to yeah, salvage the, the game. holder or somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean. I just thought that Sessa was up for the Sonny Gray insurance, but it worked out great. Sonny Gray pitched well. He pitched like he had a purpose. Um, and uh, his it's interesting because his final his start before he got pulled was on August 1st. That was also against Baltimore. He's pitched a ton against Baltimore this year, and he actually has four of his nine wins as a starting pitcher against Baltimore. 
Um, Boone said after the game, Sonny will probably go back to the bullpen, and they've already talked to him about it. But Sonny had some interesting post-game comments. If I can go out there and throw the ball like that, I think I can get anybody out. I know I can get anybody out. I'm one of the best starting pitchers in this league, and I truly believe that. Keep going. This is what, this is the next part that everybody leaves out. It's so funny. I think that, I think it's that belief that will keep me moving forward and hopefully continue to have success from here on out. So, I, I, yeah, I like okay, ending it on. on. I, I, I like just the, the headline quote: "Sonny Gray, I'm one of the best starting pitchers in yes. this league." Dot dot dot. Five ERA. Can't get out of the fourth inning in like half of your starts. I think it's hilarious because this this uh, this quote was cut up so badly <laughs> in everywhere I saw it until I went and actually listened to the clip and I heard I was like okay he's just talking about kind of the way he believes in himself and, and you know what like he should believe that he yes. should believe that he's one of the best starting pitchers in the league because if you don't have that internal belief that you have the ability to do out, go out there and dominate then you know what you're probably in the wrong in the wrong uh, job you're in the wrong occupation and well most of the time he's been pitching we all probably thought he's in the wrong job. Um, the fact that he still believes that, I, I guess, is good, wh- whether it's delusional or not. The, the guy should believe in his stuff, and if he has a good day, you know, he should co- he should believe that this was a good day for me, and that if I can come out and redo that and execute what I did today against anybody, my stuff at, at Good Sunny Gray is better than most uh, of the of the guys out there. And, and and when you put it in those terms, on a good day when Sunny Gray is dealing and he's got his good stuff then yeah, you know, that's what we've seen. That's what we thought we were getting. The guy that had that stuff uh, and that could execute it on a, a relatively um, you know, regular basis. He just hasn't been able to do that. And so, yes, I, I'm glad he's saying this. I'm glad that he is uh, not saying this after a loss and when he gets beat up. But it's against the Orioles. It's against an even worse Orioles team than he faced on August 1st because half the guys are gone now. And... You know, he should do this. This is what he should do. This they is were what, all gone on August 1st, too. You're right. That's true. Uh, but they're even, I think there's even, they're putting more guys in there. Oh, and it was also game two of a doubleheader. Like, yeah. the Orioles want nothing to do with that. Right. So, you absolutely should do this. You know, 97% of major league pitchers should do that against this team. Okay, so you're put Aaron, you're Aaron Boone. The next, does Sonny Gray get another start? Like, his next start? Like, does he slot in? Is that what you're asking? So, I mean, he would replace Lynn, or you could just go with six starters temporarily because the Yankees don't have an off day until Thursday, September 6th. Right. If they were so, to go, and if, they've, they're already giving Severino extra rest. They gave him eight days. I know the two days off this week allowed him to do that. But CeCe as well, let's give CeCe some six-day six day rest uh, here in September just because – we don't want his knee flaring up at the end of the year when we're going to need him most. So, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to slot in, if they're going to go with the six-man rotation thing, you know, short-term or whatever. But, I, I mean, yeah, I think he's going to get more starts, no doubt about it. I think that this is the time of the season when you're definitely getting more guys more time off, especially with CeCe and the, and the balky knee um, and him coming back. Uh, with uh, I don't think Lynn's getting you know taken out of the rotation by any means, but I, I think that we will see Sonny Gray back in the rotation. And honestly, if Sonny Gray is is getting back to form, like if that if that were to happen, I'm not saying he is by any means. I said on Twitter like my confidence in Sonny Gray did not move an inch because I saw him. You know he's it, we've been cut deep by this man. Like you you can't just come back from that and be like oh now he's back. Uh, but if he were to be back, let's just play that scenario then he gives the most value for the Yankees in the rotation. 
So, yes, it, he will get more starts because they're going to get more guys uh, time off, a little bit more of a, a rest in the rotation. We saw it last night. Last year when they acquired Jaime Garcia, he slotted in and, and gave guys more rest. Tanaka is another guy that does well on more rest. So, yeah, I think he's going to get more starts. September 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Yankees are playing in Oakland. Maybe he gets one of those games. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. You'd think that that would get, you know, this, but that, the problem with this, though, is that's a high leverage situation. That's a it is. relatively it's a team big you game. Might be playing, it's a team you might be playing in the one-game wild card, but if you're planning on using Severino in that one-game wild card, maybe you don't want to show your hand to the, um, to the A's early. Because yeah. that happened last year, if you remember. Yeah. So I went to a game against the Twins in September, and Severino started. And then three weeks later, they saw Severino again, and they crushed him. And the game he pitched in September, he was lights out against the Twins. So I don't know. Maybe they saw something in that game. They could dissect something and figure him out for the next time. Yeah, I mean, no, it's a possibility. I think the, I think the uh, Oakland A's probably have a pretty good beat on who Sonny Gray is at this point. But, you know... If you're gonna throw, uh, if you're gonna throw a guy that they have no opportunity or chance to see in a one game wild card, throw Sonny Gray. <laughs> that that would be something. But <laughs> but at the Sonny same Gray, time, so Sonny Gray, Luis Sessa, and then Lance Lynn are gonna be the three starters in that. <laughs> and, in that hey, Lance, Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn might get the ball. Watch out. Oh God. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I, I don't know. You, you'd think that he'd get up for that game, but you know he's just. Uh, I don't trust him at all. No, uh, especially in a, a situation like that, where you 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 know you want to go in there, you want to beat the Oakland A's at that point because they're you know one of the better teams right now playing in baseball. You got to play well against them. So no, I don't want to see Sunday Gray pitch against them. I don't think that's a great opportunity for him. I think it's a lot of pressure actually. Um, but but yeah, I do think he's going to get another start here and there. And again, if he starts, if Lynn were to um, you know fall off the rails and 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 to not go deep into games and. and look like maybe he's better uh, served in the bullpen. I, I could see them flip-flopping the, the two of those guys at some point, but you know, I don't think they have to make that decision right now. Just want to give a quick shout-out to Andujar, who has now got his average over 300. He has 21 homers and 70 RBIs. He is, in my mind, the rookie of the year, but as we were kind of discussing beforehand, there's going to be some writers who are still on the Otani hype bandwagon who are going to give some votes to him, I believe. Yeah, it's also the the anti-Yankee bandwagon too. It's the uh, a little bit of, of both, but you know, a lot of guys are are just so obsessed with Otani. I think still even the fact that he came back and is hitting well. Uh, but to me, it's really not much of a competition. I mean, Andujar right now is the guy. I said this last show that if we if we saw a, a really hot streak by Gleyber Torres, which I totally think is possible, he could absolutely get his name right back into the uh, the mix of the votes, and they could split, and then you know weird things could happen, but. Um, so I don't, I don't by any means count Gleyber Torres out, but Andujar has just been so hot and so good. So steady. That's the thing yeah, that's kind of really amazing has. about him is just, he's been so steady. At Pretty much plate, if you look at the, at, at the plate. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at after the first couple of weeks where he was struggling offensively, he's been the same hitter since end of April. Yeah. No, he's, he's, and he's still aggressive. He just, he makes a lot of contact. You know, that was my, my early comparison to him as a, as a batter Certainly not as a defender. Hopefully they can spend some time in the offseason, but it was Adrian Beltre. Beltre, he just kind of reminded me of, uh, of the way that he took the approach, like super aggressive at the plate, makes a lot of contact. And I still see that. Like I see this, uh, I see him, he's a good bad ball hitter, which is, I think is a very good attribute to have. Um, but if Andrew Hart can, and I, I absolutely think he's going to make a ton of strides in the field. The guy looks like he works his ass off. He seems like he make adjustments. 
Um, so I, I, you know, I expect him to get much better in the field as well, especially if his idol is Adrian Beltre and they could spend some time in the offseason. That could be a good thing for him defensively. Yeah. Uh, quick injury updates. Chapman had a PRP injection and he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Um, so that's looking at mid-September for when he's reevaluated. I'm imagining they're going to try and get him back into regular action with at least a week to go before the one-game wild card, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to have to try to – they have to get him back into a groove. I mean, we've seen what happens when Chapman hasn't pitched in a when while. When he so. doesn't pitch in a while, like if he takes four or five days off, he looks terrible. But if he's pitching regularly, he's been great. And then Judge still has not swung a bat, which is highly concerning in my mind. Super highly concerning. You know, we know that Cashman has talked about the their timeline being off. But still, and the reason I think it's important to note the why he's not swinging the bat, and it's because he still feels pain or discomfort in the wrist. That's why he's not swinging the bat. He's not, they're not going to have him swing a bat until there is zero pain, zero discomfort, and that's when he'll start to pick up the bat and start swinging it. So the fact that he's still feeling that, not a good thing. And, you know, I don't want to talk about this because it's not good news and it's not something anybody wants to think about. But, you know, it's getting to the point where we're, we're – it's concerning to see if Judge is even going to come back this year because if he still is still feeling this in his wrist, they're not going to rush him back, uh, and it would not surprise me. It really wouldn't if they uh, if, if he's still feeling it in a week or two that they just put him on the DL for the rest of the season. Well, I think they'll try. I think they're going to get to a point where um, as long as the doctors say you're not going to do any long term damage to this wrist if he comes back and tries to play, I could see them doing that, and then if it doesn't work out, then you DL him for the season. I just don't think that if he's if he's still feeling discomfort, that's the biggest thing. Like he, if he's but still if it's just a pain it, management thing, if it's mm-hmm. just if if all if the doctors tell him you're not going to injure the wrist anymore, it's just going to be uncomfortable for you. He might say, "Well, I'm going to suck it up for the playoffs." I guess I don't know. I I could see the Yankees organization not even messing around with that at all. Getting into a bad, getting into a bad, uh, you know, uh, rhythm or routine with his the way he's doing things at the plate. Well, that's kind of what it was with the shoulder last year. It clear, they clearly told him, you're not going to injure this any further. You're not right. going to do any more damage than you've already done. It's just a pain management thing. And he kind of had to fight through that, and we saw him slump because of it. Yeah, but he was also not on the DL at that point, too, right? I mean, he was, it wasn't he was, on, no, he, he he never was playing through it. I know, but this now, we, it. now it's a known issue. It's spotlighted. Uh, there's literally a fracture. Uh, so if there's still injury concerns, I, I mean, I got to believe there's going to be concerns if it's still a... Uh, if he can still feel it, there's got to be, you know, a concern that that potentially it could get worse. I mean, they certainly. You talked I, about the fact that that you know, comparing it to Teixeira and all that. They yeah. certainly don't want that again. So I, I could see the Yankees being very overly cautious with this. Yeah, we got a couple of mailbag questions coming up, but I want to first tell you guys about Sleep Number. Maybe you've considered a Sleep Number bed, but thought you couldn't afford one. But can you really afford another restless night's sleep? No, you cannot. And Scott knows about sleep because he's got a baby boy who's now one years old. Probably. Uh, you had a rough few nights over the last year, right? Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, he didn't sleep through the night until he was six months old. So, yeah, uh, I had a lot of – I had some I had some uh, Aaron Boone bags under my eyes. <laughs> well, the sleep number 360 smart bed lets you choose the comfort and support that's right for you. It adjusts on each side, so it's the perfect bed for couples. You can actually feel how it contours to your neck, shoulders, back, and hips for a more proper spinal alignment. And the new three, uh, new Sleep Number 360 smart beds are effortlessly comfortable. They sense your every move, like I just said. So 
Go into uh, right now. Sleep Number is having their biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Plus, save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart beds now through Labor Day. All you have to do is go to sleepnumber.com slash Bronx and you can find one of their 550 nationwide stores. Again, sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. Mailbag questions. First up, Mike L. Glaber looks like he <clears throat> excuse me. Glaber looks like he is way more comfortable at shortstop than second base. Does his play there make you change your mind at all about what the Yankees should do at short? I mean, I assume he's he's talking about like long term at, at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I don't. I mean, I think Didi has has proved that that he can be and and should be the shortstop for years to come. I think that they um, one he's just he's he's a he's a good offensive player. He is very good with the glove. And there's there's just no reason to change that at this point. I, I do think he that Glaber Torres does look more comfortable at shortstop, but but that's because but, that's his natural position. But also, we the I feel like we spent the first month to two months of the season talking yes about Glaber's offense, but how tremendous he was and how good he looked at second base. That happened. Yeah. So I, I agree he does look very comfortable, but I have all seen him look very very comfortable and make spectacular plays at second base he's made some boneheaded kind of like sleepwalking plays over the last month but i thought he was a really really good second baseman in the first couple months he was up yeah and when you have a guy like that who's got a who's got a shortstop's arm a clear shortstop arm uh you know and you put him at second base you're you're looking at you know kind of what cano was i mean cano was a plus plus uh arm at, at second base and he can make every single throw coming across that bag on a double play like that's that's one of the you know, one of my favorite Cano plays when that, he was, that was when Cano used to go basically in short left field and just flip the ball right yeah. chest high. Cano is definitely the best defensive second baseman I've ever watched. Well, I don't know about that. I think he's got one of I the mean, best I didn't, arms. But I, I didn't watch. You know, I, people say Robbie Alomar was was a tremendous second baseman. I didn't watch Robbie Alomar. I watched Robbie Cano every day. Yeah, but Robbie Cano also. I mean, his range wasn't the greatest in the world, but he made the he made a lot of he made up for it with a lot of his arm. Anyway, whatever. The the bottom line is is that Torres has that type of arm where he can make every single throw, and I, I think one of the harder throws is coming across your body, making that double play, and, and he can make that throw. So, is he as comfortable at second base that he is, a, a, and where he is at shortstop? Probably not. It's a new position for him. So. I think he's got to settle into it a little bit more. But, yeah, he's definitely very comfortable at shortstop. But I think he's also a very good second baseman. And, again, he's so young. Like, this guy's going to get better, more comfortable, more mature. Those little boneheaded issues, uh, you know, he'll clean that up. This is a guy that wants to be very, very good, if not great. He wants to be one of the one of the best at the game. So I, I think that we're going to see some special things from, from him at second base. All right, last question from John. What would your guys' players' weekend jerseys be? So I guess he's asking about our nicknames here. Um, so it, my nickname all through college was Jersey. And while it sounds stupid to have that on the back of your Jersey, it's, it's Jersey from that's very, New Jersey. That's very meta. Actually, that's very meta. Yeah, it's uh, just from New Jersey, obviously. They, everybody would call me Jersey because um, I went to school in Norfolk, Virginia. And I was, uh, you know, there were only a few people from Jersey there. And uh, I was pretty Jersey at the point at that moment, so that's that was my name. So at every uh, yeah, at every every time uh, anybody would uh, would refer to me, it was always just Jersey. What so. did you have like a gold chain on or something? No, I don't know. I was just different, you know. I just I talked faster. I talked 
I think I was just different than a lot of the people uh, at school. So, well, yeah, you go down south below the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, people do move slower down there. Than There's they no do doubt about it. No yeah. doubt about it. So, yes, it would be Jersey. So, when I was growing up, uh, my uncles always used to call me Big A, but no one actually in college called me that. They really just called me Tondi. Uh, the couldn't I guess uh, Rotondi was too long, so they just shortened it to Tondi. So, I, but I think I might go with Big A over over Tondi. Big A, huh? Okay. Yeah. Like it's kind of reminds me of like big ass. <laughs> well, I was a little bit bigger back then. Uh, but you said that it was uh, when you're how old? How old were you when they started calling you Big A? Oh, I was like, tw- oh, when they started calling me, probably yeah. like eight or nine, because and then like I, I was tall pretty quickly. Yeah. So they were like, oh, this kid's ten years old and he's already five five. So like he's gonna be, I don't know how tall I was, five feet, whatever I was. But I, I grew fast early. So that's why they called me that. Okay. So you were one of the kids uh, on the Little League World Series who like, that kid's lying about his age. No, yeah. Well, it wasn't quite that big. I mean, because you see that kid for, I believe it was Spain, who was 6'1", 240. I didn't see that. Spain had a team in there? I believe it was Spain. I didn't even know Spain had a Little League team. I didn't uh, even know they played I could baseball. be wrong about that. I just saw a screen. I have not watched any of the Little League World Series this year. But um, some some uh, international team had a kid who was 6'1", 240, and he was standing like he was the pitching and his catcher was like standing next to him on the mound. I mean, it, it looked like Ron Torres out there. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, I actually have a new, actually scratch big a toe hater, toe hater. Yeah. I mean, mean, everybody would know that you don't have to have that on your back. It's on your forehead. It's written across your face. We all know that you hate short people in toe. And now it makes sense. Actually, you were one of the big kids bullying everybody. You were like the O'Doyle rules. Uh, five, five when you're, when you're young and just picking on all the kids that haven't hit their growth spurt yet. So now it's actually making a lot more sense. This, this hatred, this, the short hate has been in your, in your blood for a long time. It's bad. Uh, all Man. right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks guys for the mailbag questions. You guys need to, uh, start bringing the heat more on the mailbag questions. Doesn't it seem like some people are just acting lackadaisical with this team? Like they kind of know where it's going to end and some, maybe some people have checked out mentally. I think we're at the point of the season now when when uh, Yankee fans. I mean, you you could see it across the board with ticket sales, with uh, with with like the activity on social media about the Yankees. You know, they've hit that point in the summer where we're, we're like, "Damn, baseball's a long season. Damn, the Yankees are not in first place. Damn, the Red Sox are good. What are we What are we watching for?" Some sometimes the you know everybody just knows that they're going to be in the wild card. But we're at that point of the in the in the year as well, where I think there's a little bit of a fatigue setting in for people, and right. the, and the, you know school's about to start. It's just a, a weird transition time. So so yeah, I, I think you know as September comes, the weather starts getting a little bit cooler. We start uh, we start seeing like the general public start get focusing on um, you know what's happening in baseball and how the playoffs are going to shape up. So submit mailbag questions. Call the voicemail line six four six four eight zero zero three four two. And then remember, we're giving away two tickets to the September fifteenth event. Um, the announce- the winner will be picked on September sixth. Just tell us why you are an obsessed Yankees fan. Uh, in the iTunes comments, you should use hashtag. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. So leave a message at the beach. All right, we got a uh, one more game tonight against the Orioles. It's Sunday night baseball. Where could I be? I'm not home. And talk about that game. But otherwise, we will talk to you guys on Thursday.
Two times with the bases loaded, we got out of this jam. Dude, I'm going to start calling this team Keanu the way they dodge bullets. Nathan Strippers is there from Syracuse, and holy shit, I don't think I've been so excited to be a last place team before. Let's go. The Red Sox are showing a little bit, uh, a little bit of vulnerability now with sailout. So if we can somehow patch together this, uh, this team with all the DL trips, maybe we can, uh, you know, at least make it interesting in September when we play them again. So the only good is your next day of starting pitcher. So we, especially with all the bullpen use, we need that uh, meat stick. Uh, Lance wanted to give us seven tomorrow. All right, take it easy. Later. I think I figured it out. I figured out why this team is listless, doesn't have energy. It's just kind of mopey and not into it, not pumped up. I read an article about how Boone, on the way in, listens to The Bridge on Sirius XM, where they play Rod Stewart, and they play, like, James Taylor. Somebody needs to tell this guy about Ozzy's Boneyard, or Octane, or hell, even Outlaw Country. Get him pumped up. Get excited. Let's go! BP crew, it's Deepman at Twitter. Why is Tito Martinez still so intense? And why does Derek Jeter's wife look like she doesn't even care to be at a ball game? This is a very intriguing arrangement. Man, that was a fucking punch of a game. God, how can we lose that bad freaking the AAA Marlins? God, I understand that our half of our freaking our half of our damn core is out with freaking Judge Sanchez, Didi, now Chapman and CC. Shit, it freaking sucks though to lose that bad to a team that we're still better than. I mean, goddamn. I mean, where the hell is the next second coming of Great Bird? Why the hell isn't he playing fucking good? He's been shitty the whole year. Either way, freaking frustrating loss. God, I hope that we can light up Baltimore this weekend. Great win next year against the O's. A must win game against the O's. And it was a very good game. A CC dominated. Dolphin did pretty well with the D-Rob shot. Uh, un unsung hero. Not the past few games, but boy, oh my goodness. They came out hot tonight. Um, and it was a good win. But I just want to point out, Greg Bird and Luke Boyd. Like, seriously, those are like two opposites. Luke Voigt is like the big guy that everybody likes, and all of you in height. And then Greg Bird is like, like the scrawny little dad that like nobody likes. And he thinks he's good, and he has the hair, he has all this and that. But he's just, no one likes him. Especially Neil Walker, as you give him a hot five. And also, Voigt has that little Sammy Sosa, like, after the uh, home run, and I liked it. Love, it. Love the intensity. Good win tonight. Say your prayers for something. Let's see how it goes. Go Yankees. You know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that the Yankees would have Didi, Sanchez, and Judge all out for an extended period of time, yet had the second best record in the league, yet we're still seven games back in the East at this point in time, I would have thought you were crazy. Also, uh, that's, that's kind of a positive note. They're still putting together a really nice uh, campaign with all those guys out, even though their schedule isn't really all that tough at the moment until about the beginning of September. Um, Clint Frazier is just, you know, I've, it's terrible. What you know, this would be a great time for him to step up and show what 
he's got on a consistent basis, but unfortunately, he's got the concussion symptoms, and that that's kind of probably, for me, the saddest part about the season is that a, a guy that has a lot of promise that could really step up in a time like this, a really opportune time for him, and he, and he just can't do it because he's not around. So, uh, really looking forward to seeing him get back out there uh, for the Yankees, and hopefully he can still make an impact come September. Of game by the Yankees. We're in the double header. Let's go, Yankees. Boston lost again. Uh, they had a rough start in rough road in Tampa, and uh, now that the Yankees are only seven games set, uh, just wanted to start on it. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, great podcast. Hey, as I was calling, somebody gives up a bomb in the sixth inning. I really thought that was, why the fuck? Is Seve having 70% free ball pitches and a four-up lead against the Baltimore Orioles? Attack the damn Orioles and get them out. This three-ball stuff is just dumb. Dumb. Seve's not good right now. I don't care what his numbers look like. Also, one more thing. Your pitcher can't stay out of three-ball counts and is close to 100 pitches. My God's creation is there at least nobody throwing the ball in the pen before he comes off for the next inning. Just, just stretch, warm up a little. Why, why is he always reacting? Why can't he see a little head and just prepare a little bit? It, it, it would take a few runs every game this happens. Every game. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.